What a beautiful scripture reading, all of them. What a joy to hear the different languages, at least a few of the different languages represented in our church. Well, good evening and Merry Christmas. My name is Dave Furman and I serve as one of the pastors here at Redeemer Church. And it is a delight to gather together with each of you this evening. Again, Merry Christmas to you and to all Regardless of what your background is or where you're from or what you believe, you are always welcome with us at Redeemer. And so I welcome you and then encourage you and invite you to join us next Friday when we will meet and gather for worship at the Pullman Hotel at Adira City Center at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m. You'll find registration information online for that. And again, if this is your first time with us or you don't get emails from us, the back of your bulletin, there's a visitor page and you could drop that in our giving boxes on the back or at our connections table. We just wanna send you more information about our church and registration links for when we gather. I guess one last thing before I pray, if you don't own a Bible, if you don't own a copy of God's word to us, we would love to give you one as a gift this evening. At our connections table on your way out, please just go over there and we'd love to just give you this gift. There is no greater gift that we could give you this Christmas than a copy of God's word. So please do go back and pick up Uh, one of these. Well, let's pray before we look at his word. Oh, Father, open our eyes to see the truth of Christmas. Would we be transformed this night through our time together? Help us to marvel at the fact that the Savior was born to save his people from their sins. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Furmans love Christmas. My family loves Christmas so much. True story. This year, we started setting up our home for Christmas in mid-October. We started putting out the Christmas tree and decorating it. Even earlier than before, we, we decorated and we drink hot chocolate with lots of marshmallows in it. Now, don't judge us. This year, we even got a second tree. My family loves Christmas. We play Christmas music all year round, but especially starting in the month of October. Now, a couple of years ago, I shared some of the strange songs that we've encountered over the years. One I mentioned is Santa Claus is coming to town. Maybe you know this song. It's what should be exciting news. Santa is coming. Santa is coming. It's really, though, a bit strange, isn't it? To think that Santa knows when we are sleeping and knows when we're awake. You better watch out. You better not cry. That's just a bit awkward. Santa knows more about my sleeping routine than my doctor does. And I thought of a few more songs. I don't know if you have heard these but they were prominent in my childhood. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Now this one, no joke, true story, was actually playing at our Crown Plaza last Friday after our gathering, right there in the lobby. Now in this song, the same Santa who watches us 
as we sleep is now stealing mommy away. I mean, imagine if you're a young child just watching this. It would be quite the blue Christmas, wouldn't it? And then you have a song which honestly, I think is a lie. It's a song where a child makes a list for Santa and says, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Have you heard this one? Now imagine that. That's all the kid wants for Christmas. Two teeth. Now, pretty sad, isn't it? Now, maybe you've lost all of your teeth at the same time. I don't know. Those two front ones can help you eat, but it doesn't make much sense. A weird request to Santa Claus. How about this song? Grandma got run over by a reindeer. (laughs) Now, even if you haven't heard of that one, that one is crazy. Poor, sweet grandma? Now that's dark. These Christmas songs can be a bit strange, can't they? Now there's a reason we don't sing those songs this evening. There's also no Frosty the Snowman. Sadly, there's no Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Now, I personally like Rudolph, but Christmas isn't about him. And it's not about a Christmas tree. I know some of you may not even put up a Christmas tree because... There's nothing distinctly Christian about them, but there's a song about them, isn't it? Uh, Your bright green leaves with festive cheer give hope and strength throughout the year. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, we learn from all your beauty. Now, originally that song was called O Tannenbaum. It's based on a German folk song written in the 16th century, totally unrelated to Christmas. And since then, it's gone through a few renditions. In 1824, again, unrelated to Christmas, one German author wrote, O Tannenbaum, O Tannenbaum. You could translate, O fir tree, O fir tree, referring to the fir's evergreen quality of constancy and faithfulness. Then finally, it became associated with Christmas and the Christmas tree in the middle of the 19th century. But the foundation of the song was always about the faithfulness and the strength of the tree. Now, some of you have been in forests with trees and that have grown for hundreds of years. I was actually born in a city called Redwood City after the great redwood trees, these tallest and largest trees in the entire world. Now, I find trees a bit fascinating. There's a difference between a strong tree and a weak tree. Here in the desert, as you know, we have some weak trees, shallow roots in the sand. When a strong wind comes through or a sandstorm comes through our city, it knocks over a lot of trees, especially in my neighborhood. If a big tree falls down, then that's probably done for it, but there's usually a lot of smaller trees that fall down. And as you walk around the neighborhood afterwards, it's a bit apocalyptic with all these trees down. But sometimes the small trees can be picked back up and their roots can be covered again with sand and with dirt as happens in my neighborhood. But what inevitably happens 
at some point in the future, well, another storm comes and those same trees plop on over and then get picked up again. Well, friends, tonight we've come to celebrate Christmas. The friendships are sweet. The gatherings are wonderful. The Christmas trees are beautiful. But Christmas is actually about the birth of a baby. The promised Savior has come. And the way I want to tell the story of the promised Savior is to tell the story of four trees. I want to tell the story of the promised Savior through talking about four trees, and not by looking at the song, O Christmas Tree, but by looking at God's Word, the Bible. Now, these aren't weak trees, like the ones that flop over during the next sandstorm. These are strong ones. You could call it the four trees of salvation. And we could tell the story of salvation from the very beginning of the Bible all the way to the end, from the first book of the Bible, Genesis, all the way on to the last book of the Bible, Revelation. So here's our outline this evening, four trees. First, we'll see a tree of sin. Then second, we'll see a tree of birth. Third, we'll see a tree of death. And then fourth, a tree of life. We'll see sin, death, or sin, birth, death, and then life. First, we need to understand why we need saving in the first place. So the first tree is a tree of sin. Now, even if you don't actively attend church services, you've probably heard of Adam and Eve. If you haven't, they were the first two humans created. We read about them in the beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And the creation is stunning. They were given the most beautiful garden in the world, the mountains, the valleys, the oceans, the rivers, the flowers, the trees, the Siberian huskies and the falcons and all of the animals. A wonderful creation. Our family had a little taste of this the past few days as we visited Tbilisi, Georgia, where I was teaching at a conference. After the conference was over, our whole family went up to the mountains so that our kids can see snow for the first time. And as we drove up the mountain, we were excited at every point of the way, taking pictures every kilometer. The first mountain was exciting to us. And then we see the first little snow out into the distance, and we started snapping pictures of that. Every kilometer, we took pictures. Now, I wonder if the bus driver was laughing in the inside, thinking, just wait until you get to the top. Because each time we thought it was as good as it gets. But then we got to the top, and the top was breathtaking. Pure white snow, large mountains, the sun rising. It kept getting better and better, leading me to worship God, our creator, more and more. Now, friends, here in the garden, God made everything, and God made everything in the world, and we see evidences of that everywhere we look. Psalm 19 says, the sky above shows God's very handiwork. One man has said that we live 
in the theater of God's glory. God created everything, and the apex of his creation was humans. Humans made in his image, Adam and Eve, you and me. We were all created in his image. There's something like God in all of us. We are not God, but we all bear his image. Adam and Eve were to enjoy God's creation. They were to enjoy fellowship with God there in the garden. Well, Genesis 2 tells us what happened after he created man. Listen to these words. The Lord God took the man Put, them, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. <clears throat> they were given everything. The garden was a banqueting table, but there was one tree, just one, one tree that they were to not eat of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But it's with this tree that all of history takes a turn for the worse. The tree itself was not sin. It was a good tree, but it belonged exclusively to God. Adam and Eve's disobedience of that command by eating of the tree was sin, and it brought about sin into the world. And it wasn't just about eating a piece of fruit. It wasn't just taking of that fruit that was bad in and of itself. But in rejecting God's command, they were in a real sense saying that they were God's that they were almighty. It was unbelief rather than following God's loving rule for them and enjoying fellowship with them. They decided instead they wanted autonomy from God and they were put out of the garden as judgment. This is also when death entered into the world because there's another tree in the garden called the tree of life. Being in the presence of that tree, oh, that was good. Being in the presence of the tree of life meant that you wouldn't taste death. But now Adam and Eve in their sinful condition had no access to that tree. With this relationship and this friendship fractured, the question is how can sinful man ever be in the presence of God again? How can there be a bridge for this great divide? How can sinful humans be with a holy and perfect God? That's the question. That's bad news. But thankfully, it doesn't end there because after all, Christmas and the good news of Christianity is just that. It is good news. One of promise. You heard the scripture read so beautifully earlier. So many of those Old Testament scriptures were, were, were Bible verses and prophecies of hope and promises, anticipation. God's people were waiting and they were waiting and they were, they were waiting. The prophecies came anticipating the Savior to come and then there was silence for hundreds of years. But there was another prophecy 
that tells us that the Savior would come, but through another kind of tree. And that's the second point this evening, a tree of birth. There's a tree that led to, led to sin because of Adam and Eve's hearts. But number two, we have a tree of birth. And a tree of birth is a totally different kind of tree we see in Scripture. It's more like a family tree that we talked about in our gatherings last Friday, if you joined us. There was a promise that a Savior would come for his people from a particular family, from the son of Abraham, from the son of David. Now, the prophet Isaiah prophesies these words in chapter 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Well, here we have another glimpse at the human family tree of the Messiah. Jesse was the father of King David, Israel's greatest king. And David was the shoot that shot forth from the stump of Jesse. A branch that shall bear fruit. God's promises, they appear to be delayed in the Old Testament. They were waiting and they were waiting, but those promises which appear to be delayed were not forgotten. The tree of David cut off to the stump to, to the very bottom of the tree, was now sprouting a new branch. This prophecy shows us that there will be a time where, when there won't be much left of David's kingship. That's true, like a tree cut to the stump, but there does remain in that stump some vitality and life unseen to the eye. That stump had roots that went deep. No, it's true, the monarchy would struggle with the sin of its kings, but the promise remains. A true king, a true Messiah, a true savior would come through the family of Jesse and through the family of David, and he did. Look at verse 18 again, which Nathaniel and Talitha just read to us. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now to be betrothed, that's as close to being married as you can be without actually being married. This is like an engagement, but even stronger. They've not been intimate yet. They were not living together at this point. And these days, the future husband would actually go back to his family's house and would normally build on to his family's house and prepare a place for his bride. He would be making the mud bricks and building the walls and getting tiles for the roof. All that time thinking and dreaming about his bride. You can imagine then the surprise when Mary's pregnant with child. But verses 19 and 20, her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
Again, they weren't married, but it's as if they were. It was that close. And Joseph wanted to keep this quiet in order to protect the honor of Mary. But then he has this epic dream. Can you imagine a dream like this? The angel of the Lord is speaking to Joseph in the dream. And he says, Joseph, stop before you do anything. Just, just stop. It's the Holy Spirit of God who has put the baby in Mary's womb. Don't fear. Press on. Stay with Mary. And then verses 23 through 25. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Oh, friends, this is incredible. Emmanuel means God is with us. This is mind-blowing. This is unbelievable. Jesus, whose name means Savior, came as a baby, God in the flesh, this child didn't come through ordinary human means. And it's not that something illicit happened between God the Father and Mary. No, God miraculously put a baby in the womb of Mary. God became man. And friends, just think about this for a moment. This is a truth that no human would ever make up. And yet, if we really think about it this Christmas, our brains might explode. If you're here this evening and you're not yet a follower of Christ, I wonder what this message sounds like to you. God becoming man. God coming to us. I mean, do you see the uniqueness of it? All other religions talk about man trying to get to God. Do this. Don't do that. Try and earn favor with God. A long list of to-dos that we could never achieve. It's rules on how we can reach up to God. The problem is Every one of us has sinned, and even one sin keeps us from getting to him. Instead, the message of Christmas is that God has come down to us. This is incredible. I hope you see the uniqueness of this message tonight. We often think it's amazing when someone prominent spends time with us ordinary people. When a king goes off and spends time in a far-off village in his kingdom, when we see star athletes give sporting lessons to young children, or when we see the successful business owner go speak to the schools, and we think it's wonderful, we think it's humility, it's condescension, but how marvelous is this? How marvelous is the truth that God, the God of the universe, the God who made those mountains that I just saw this past week, the God who made each and every one of us in his image, that God, our God, became man and walked on this earth. 
God became one like his creation by being born in the same way as each of us. No glitz, no glamour, no pomp and circumstance. No, as the prophecy we read earlier even tells us that the Savior Jesus was born in the small and insignificant town of Bethlehem. In the book of Luke, we see that he was born in a small home, perhaps in an area where animals were kept. He came in humility, but he also came on a mission. This baby was born to die on a tree of death. And that's the third tree that we see this evening. We've seen a tree of sin, a tree of birth. We see a tree of death here. Look again at verses 21 and 22 of our passage. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for, listen to this, this is why. He'll have this name, why? For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This was prophesied years before that this baby would be born to die to pay for his people's sins. Yes, for Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. For them, Jesus came. But for each of us also who have followed in their footsteps as sinners, each of us needs saving. And so we must ask, how then does this baby save us? Well, by hanging on another tree. Not an evergreen tree, not one like the Christmas song boasts of, but a tree that's stronger than the world's biggest redwood trees, one that would have the strength to save the world. That tree would become the symbol of the Christian faith. It would be the wooden cross. John chapter 19 says that Jesus was crucified in between two other men, one on each side of him, and Jesus was right there in the middle. At the end of his earthly life, the promised savior, the one we celebrate tonight, marched to the cross, not under compulsion. He wasn't forced. It's not like he couldn't get away from those guards. It wasn't under compulsion, but it was out of love. It was out of love. It was out of the joy set before him that he went to that tree. And it was there on that tree that he took upon himself all the sins of his people. And he was put into a tomb. And there was silence for the first day and silence for the second day. But there on that third day, that baby who was born to die rose from the dead and proved that all he had done was true and that he had conquered sin and death, that Jesus is alive forever. Now, other belief systems say we must climb up to God, attending religious services, doing religious duties and traditions, being part of a certain community, going through various ceremonies, even good ones like baptism, being a good person, coming from a particular country. Oh, friends, none of these things save. The problem with all of them is that they don't remove our sin. They don't forgive our sin. But this baby was born to die 
to save his people from their sins. He lived a perfect life and he did what only God himself could do. It's to take the penalty that we deserved. And he did that there on the wooden cross there on that tree. His mission was his death, that God in his love for us, he came down to earth, born of a virgin, lived the perfect life and went to death for us. And the good news is, the good news is, well, we've, we've heard some good news. Here's some more good news. It's that we will see him again. There's a fourth tree and one that we saw a glimpse of back in the book of Genesis. The fourth tree is the tree of life. Listen to these words from the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, a fourth tree, the tree of life. I'll read beginning in verse one. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruits, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. I love this. Listen to this. The Lord God will be their light, and, and they will reign forever and ever. Oh, friends, this is the end, a time where we as believers, those of us who believe in Jesus, have repented of our sins, have trusted in him and follow Christ. This is the end, and we will be face to face with Jesus, the Lamb of God, and we will worship him, and he will be light. No need for the sun, no need for the lamps, no need for any light. God will be our light. We read in the surrounding verses there in Revelation that there will be no more tears. For those of us hurting, there will be no more pain. For those of us suffering, there will be no more suffering. And there will be no more death. Death will die. Death will be done away with forever and we will be with our God forever and ever. Friends, all the wrong things will be made right in Christ. See, after their sin, Adam and Eve, they were cast out of the garden, away from the tree of life. But now, what once was forbidden for them is now fully restored for all believers. In these verses, the writer John says that on both sides of the river, we will see the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit. That's not just one tree, is it? It's a tree that somehow on both sides of the river, it's probably a collective word for trees. 
trees of life. The tree of life is everywhere on both sides of the river. It's an image of the abundance of trees. It's an image of the abundance of fruit. It's vitality so grand. It's symbolic of the far-reaching effects of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Oh, the city will be a city filled with grace. So powerful, friends, is the death and resurrection of Christ that the effects of sin and the banishment of the garden is completely overturned. The curse, the sin, the judgment in the beginning of the book of Genesis is completely overturned here in the end in the book of Revelation. Eternal life has come for God's people and we'll be back with the tree of life and more importantly, with the one who went to the tree of death to bring us life. Oh, church, there's a reason we don't sing, oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree here on Christmas. It's because Christmas isn't about that tree, is it? But it's a story of salvation which spans from one tree to another tree. So instead, we sing lyrics like this. Silent night, holy night, son of God, Love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face with dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Oh, friends, Jesus has come to save us from our sins and he's coming back one day to bring us home. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we thank you for these hope-filled words this evening. Would you encourage our weary hearts this night? Oh, we praise you for this baby who was born to die to save us from our sins. And Father, we wait expectantly for that final city when we will see his holy face. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for all that you've done for us and for all that you will do. And so we, we can say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, let's respond to God's holy word by singing together. Please stand as we sing Silent Night and our other closing songs.